Good morning, everybody. What's going on? Good to see you. Um, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen, everybody. And we're going to continue on. Uh, I just want to say welcome. Uh, for, if this is your first time joining us, it's, it's an honor that you join us today. Um, welcome to everybody joining us online. Um, I was thinking about David in Psalm 122, and he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And uh, I believe that God wants to do something incredible in your life today. We're going to be continuing on with our Sunday School Part 5. And uh, have you guys been enjoying this series? Um, getting something out of it? Right on. Uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Taylor Raines. I'm a, I get to serve as our executive pastor here at Your Place Church. And, uh, and Pastor Darian, uh, well, first of all, let's just honor. It's uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. And so let's just take a moment and honor our pastor. Well, thank you for leading us for the vision. Uh, we would not be here without you, me, a little bit more so than others, um, as he is my father. And so... Uh, and we, we're so thankful for our pastor and, and, and all of our pastors that, that serve here um, at Your Place Church. And uh, they pour their heart out and serve the Lord faithfully. And uh, we're thankful to have such a good team and a good staff, a uh, great dream team. Um, but pastor asked me to, to preach. Um, and I say by, by asked me to preach, pastor asked me to be over the preaching calendar. So I put myself in to preach. And, uh, and, and so I was talking to him last weekend. And, uh, and I get his, his message notes uh, to my email. And, and so I got two weeks ago, Sunday school part five uh, in my email. And I was like, great. Pastor Darian wrote the message for me. I'm just going to preach his message. And so last weekend I was, I was talking to him and uh, I was riding in the car with him. And I said, so you want me to teach on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And he said, um, nope. And I said, no, I saw the message. You wrote the message for me. He goes, no, 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 sorry. I wrote that message for me. I'm preaching that message. What you need to do is, uh, is look in your Bible, find a good Bible story that you're going to teach. And, and I was like, great, great, great. Any, any idea, any direction, anything that just stands out to you. So I did what every good spirit-filled, come on, spirit-led pastor would do. I opened my Bible to Genesis 1, and I flipped page by page. <laughs> like, there's a lot of stories in here. Anybody want to take a guess? Anybody know how many books of the Bible there are? Anybody? Come on, shout it out. 66. Anybody want to take a guess on how many chapters in the Bible there are? 1,189 chapters in the Bible. 31,102 verses. Hey, pick a story. Any story. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got one message to preach. You know, like, how, how is this even possible? And so pastor's been saying it. We could stay in this series for a really long time. Um, and, it's, and it's true. Uh, but I do believe uh, I got a message from the Lord for you guys today. And uh, we're going to be talking on Joshua. Joshua. So Joshua chapter 24. We'll have it on the screen for you. Verse 14, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Look at this, though. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the God your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Catch this right here. This might sound familiar to you. But as for me and my household... We will serve the Lord. And uh, it might sound familiar to you because it might be a painting in your bathroom. Um, you, might, you might have this somewhere in your house. And, uh, and as I was reading through Joshua and I, and I saw this, 
I couldn't help but think, how many of us actually know the story and the life of Joshua? And in the life that Joshua lived that gets him to this point where he makes such a declaration, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It might be too hard for you, and that's, that's fine. You might choose to not serve the Lord, but just so you know, even if no one else does, my family and I, we will. Amen, everybody. And so I want to talk about Joshua. Um, but before you do that, can I share a few testimonies? I got a few testimonies. And I just, I like bringing some testimonies. And, and I asked my man, uh, uh, Jack, earlier um, before the huddle if I could share a win. But last week I was talking to, to Jack. And uh, Jack just had this extra, um, you know, pep in his step. You know, I, he was just, he was excited. And so I started talking to him. And I was like, man, what's, what's going on? And he said, man, I'm super pumped. Because next weekend, yesterday, is one year of being sober from alcohol. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? And uh, he said he hasn't had, a, had just a drip of alcohol in over a year. And, and he was talking about um, the reliance that he actually had um, before getting sober and just how it controlled every part of his life. And, and he said, man, I, I just could not do it without your place, church. He said there was times when he got low and uh, his people from the church, people from life groups that pulled him back up out of it and reminded him of his purpose. Come on, can I stop and say, if you're in that same situation, there's hope for you too. Yeah. Come on. Amen. And he, in fact, he said it last week and he said, if there's anybody that you know that is going through it and is looking for help, let me know because I want to help him. And I, I've got actually a handful. I've got right here. There he is. Come on, somebody. There he is. Find him after service. Come on. There's hope for you. Listen, if he's done it for him, he'll do it for you. I was talking to another person on Wednesday, and they were at our September last Wednesday service, and, uh, and, and they came up for prayer. We had a big prayer moment at the end of that service. Come on, if you're missing last Wednesdays, you're missing it, and uh, you need to be at last Wednesday service. And they came up September's last Wednesday, and they said that they've just been um, dealing with some heavy depression. They were just real flat. Um, they didn't have any motivation. They didn't have any drive, and they said, I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. I want, I want prayer that God would set me free. And so they got prayed for um, that night, and uh, they caught me on Wednesday. And Wednesday, they said after that day, they were just real flat, just, just flat for, for four or five days. And they just couldn't explain it, so they went to the doctor, and they're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just super flat. The doctor ran some tests and said it's because you're over-medicated. You don't need that much. And she said, they dialed her back, and she says, the Lord just keeps on healing me and healing me, and she's had more joy than she's had in years. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I was talking to somebody else. Somebody else came up for prayer. They were having a hard time hearing. They said, I want to hear better. They came up, and, uh, and, and we prayed for them. And since that day, they called me at the beginning of last week, and they said, I've been hearing things that I've never been able to hear before. I didn't even realize I was missing it until I started hearing it. I was talking to another person. They were believing God for provision, and God gave them a car. Another person couldn't sleep at night. They were, they were awake with night terrors, and it had been going on for years. They came up for prayer that night. They slept all night long, deep sleep, restful sleep. I've been, this one's my favorite, and then we're going to give God a big shout of praise for all of this. But I've been praying, um, specifically a handful of us have been praying for some, uh, for one, one person in particular, and I've just been praying that they would just experience the presence of God. Come on, they would just have this encounter. And, and, and talking to them and, and talking to other people who do not believe in God, they say the same thing. I might would believe if I had an experience that other people talk about. And so I started from that moment, I was like, well, I know what to pray for. I know what to pray for. And so we started praying for an experience. I heard this last week. They said, listen, 
I've decided I'm going to give Jesus a try. Come on, somebody. Listen, can we celebrate this? These are some wins. Listen, come on, someone say, if he's done it for them. Oh, come on, say, if he's done it for them, he'll do it for me. Amen. Amen. Come on, we got some miracles that are going to happen. And I believe that God wants to do a work um, in this place this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful, Lord, to be here in your presence. And God, I recognize that there's, there's different people God, at different stages of the journey, some of us, we've maybe just followed Jesus. God, this might be the first time that we've, we've actually looked into your word to study it. Others of us, God, we've been following you for a long time. But God, it doesn't matter what stage we are on the journey. God, we're all at the same point. And that's a desperation for you to reveal your word to us. God, none of us have learned everything there is to know about, about you, about your word. And so, God, today we're praying that you would just give us a revelation of who you are. God, Paul prays it in Ephesians 1, and we pray it now. God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we can know you more. And we thank you, Lord, for that, Father. And I just, Lord, your word says that you're, you're close to the brokenhearted. And, uh, and, God, there's a lot of us Oklahoma State fans in the room. And, uh, and Lord, we're, we're searching for answers as we do not know what happened yesterday. But, God, we're putting our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Y'all, I was watching that game yesterday. I had to shut it off at halftime. I said, I am preaching the word of God tomorrow. I cannot be this frustrated. I'm walking through Lowe's with my, I got my phone. I've got, I'm getting my materials. Come on, isn't that the daddiest dad thing you've heard? You know what I'm talking about? I got my, my game going on. I'm getting my materials for my, my home projects. And, uh, and I'm like, all right, nope, I'm shutting this thing off. I can't handle that kind of frustration today. I, I had a realization um, when we blew our lead against TCU uh, to, to my wife. And I, I said, listen, I think I know why I get so frustrated. Um, this is my only form of competition in my life. And I said, I, don't, I can't even affect the game. Like, I've tried to. I'm like, Lord, bless Spencer Sanders today. God, I pray that he is accurate. It, does, it doesn't change anything. Like, I'm like, I'm like I, need a, I need a place to compete. I think I'm getting too competitive on something I have no control over. Um, that's beside the point. Thank you for my therapy. Uh, this is a great conversation. I, I'm better now. I feel better. I feel better. But I, I, I had this moment yesterday, and I'm like walking through Lowe's, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is a dad move. And uh, I was having a conversation with my dad. Um, we're actually about to have, in April, our third kid, we found out, is a baby girl. <laughs> baby number three coming. And uh, I was having a conversation with my dad a, about a month ago, and he said, three kids, man. How, how do you feel about that? And I said, I've got the same amount of kids as you do, Dad. And, uh, and we both just sat there as we had this same realization together, just stumped by how was I the little kid? That, I've now got three kids. I'm like, what is happening? You know, there's these moments in our life, and we're just like, what is happening? And, and I, you know, it's, it's after high school, you start paying your first bill, and you're like, oh, this is bills. You know, it's these moments of our life that kind of start to define the season of life that we're in. And, uh, you know, for Joshua, Joshua had several moments that defined the season of life that he's in. In fact, we see the first one in Exodus 33. And so ex Exodus 33, let me paint the picture. I've got a lot of scripture today and, um, and not a whole lot of time to preach. And, and, and so I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to paraphrase some scripture. Uh, but I believe that the Lord is going to bring us through, and, um, and, and somehow time slows down. But Exodus 33, uh, it's, it's Moses, this account of Moses. So Moses was the, the leader of the Israelites that led them out of Egypt, out of slavery, where they were enslaved for over 400 years, brought them across the Red Sea. The Red Sea splits. They walk across on dry ground, and, and they end up in the desert. 
and, and they're on the path to what is called the promised land. And God's, God's given them this promised land, and, and scholars actually believe it's about a 14-day journey from, from when they crossed over the Red Sea, um, through the Red Sea, to the promised land. It's supposed to be about 14 days. That's, that's all it's supposed to take. And so here's the Israelites, and they're, they're moving across the desert to this promised land. And as they're going, Moses was their leader. And Moses would actually spend time, um, and he would set up what was called the Tents of Meeting. Pastor Darian's actually done some preachings on the Tents of Meeting and, and silence and solitude. Um, but Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. He called it the Tents of Meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tent, watching Moses until he answered. As Moses went in, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance of their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Are you catching that? Well, what an incredible encounter. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to camp. But catch this. His young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave. Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave. So here's this encounter where, where Moses is having this, this, this conversation with God himself in the tent of meeting. Here's Joshua, the young aide. He's, he's behind Moses. He follows Moses in. Moses has this encounter. He leaves. And then Joshua just sits there and absorbs everything that he just experienced. And this right here sets up Joshua and the victories that he would see. Because we go on to see another moment um, in Joshua's life, when, when Moses, they get to the promised land, and, and Moses actually sends out 12 spies. This is in Numbers chapter 14. Moses sends out 12 spies to go and take a look at the land, and they were to come back and report what they, what they have found. And so these spies come back, and they're like, listen, Moses, the land really is great. It's, it's incredible. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's just as good as God said it was, but... But there's giants. There's giants in the land. In fact, every enemy possible is in the land. It's a great land, but, but hear what I'm saying. There's too many enemies in the land. Ten of, ten, of the, ten of the 12 spies come back and they're saying this. Moses, it's great. The land looked good. The fruit is big. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece of property, but our enemy is there. And not just one enemy, multiple enemies. But there's two men. Out of, the, out of the 12 that went, that came back with a different story. In fact, we see this in, in Numbers chapter 14, and, and it's verse 1. It says, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices, and they wept aloud. Why? Because they, they were told that they've got this promise. But there's giants in their promise. They're told there's some good things waiting ahead of them, but there were some obstacles in the way. There were some enemies in the way. And so now the Israelites feel helpless. They feel like God just gave them something and then took it back. And so they cried out and they wept aloud. It says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. 
Come on, things, things took a quick turn of events. Like this Moses guy, like you're fired. We're finding somebody else. Who wants to do it? Anybody? We're going back to Egypt. And, and then it says that Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun. Again, here's Joshua. And Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Well, here's young Joshua. The same young Joshua that was in the tent of meeting, that stayed when Moses left. He stayed just to absorb everything that he was experiencing. And now here he is in front of the entire nation of Israel. Listen, do not rebel against the Lord. Don't turn from the Lord. The Lord, the land is exceedingly good. And then he says, do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. One translation says devour them up. The Amplified says we will devour them like bread. I like that. Come on, we will devour them like bread. Moses, we ain't on a low-carb diet. We're about to eat them all up. Come on, it's bulking season, Moses. Like, I ain't scared of them. Come on, like, I, I keep telling myself I can't live in a, a constant state of bulking season. You know, like, it's the stereotypical bulking season right now. We're going into winter. And I'm like, listen, at some point in my life, I have to go to a cutting season, I think. And so I keep on telling myself I'm going to go to a, a lower-carb diet. And then I pass Ranch House in Locust Grove. I said, I need a sausage pizza. Um, made with the ranch instead of the pizza sauce with a side of ranch. It was great. She read it back to me. She's like, so you want a sausage pizza with ranch and a side of ranch? I said, yeah, you got dehydrated ranch? Like, wait, bring on all the ranch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I de- we devoured that ranch house. And, uh, and, and Joshua was like, Moses, yeah, the land's great. There's giants. There's enemies. Oh, but we're going to devour them like bread. Yeah, come on. Come on. Are they big? Yeah, they're big. But I heard the bigger they are, come on, the greater they fall. Yeah, come on. You see Joshua's faith here? It's, it's like, yeah, there's, there's some enemies in the land. Yeah, they might be bigger than us. They might be some giants. There might be some obstacles. But is this not the land that God has given us? And so he's telling the whole Israelite army and, and all the Israelites, listen, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Are they big? Yes. We're not going to deny the fact that they're big. You know what faith is? Faith is an confident expectation that God will do what he says. Come on, on. on, that's my first thought for you. Faith is a confident expectation that God will do what he says. Joshua's statement was, was, yeah, they're going to be, they're bigger than us. Yeah, they're they're our enemies. Yeah, we're surrounded. Yeah, it looks like a difficult situation, but my God is bigger. And he said, this is our land. I think of uh, Abraham. In fact, in Romans chapter 4, it starts talking about Abraham. Abraham was 100 years old, and, and, and God had told him he was going to be the father of many nations. He was going to have a lot of descendants. And here's Abraham at 100 years old. He's only got one uh, descendant. It's a son that, that he had with his um, maid, and, and the relationship's not great. It's clearly not the promise that God was talking about. And so here he is at 100 years old, and I love what Romans 4 says about Abraham. It says, without weakening in his faith. Catch this. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. You catch that? Without weakening in his faith, he faced 
the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. That's pretty, that's pretty old to be having kids. It's, that's pretty old. <laughs> Yet without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. Are you catching this? What was Joshua doing? He was facing the facts. Listen, faith isn't about being naive to a situation. It's, it's not about playing dumb to a situation and trying to pretend that obstacle is not actually there. Faith is recognizing the issue. Faith is pointing at the issue but not wavering. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's not for me to understand. All I know is it will happen. It's, it's, facing the, it's facing the fact. When they give you the report, when the doctor gives you the bad report, I'm not, I'm not denying the bad report. I'm going to face the fact that this is a bad report, but I'm also going to trust in God. It's a confident expectation that God will do what he says. Are you, come on, are you with me, church? Oh, come on, I'm going to need you to get a little bit more feedback to here. Come on, God wants to do something in your life this morning. I'm going to face the fact that, that I might not be the next in line for the, for the, for the promotion. I'm going to face the fact that I'm in some debt right now. I'm going to face the fact that the, this time in my life is a hard. I'm going to face the fact that there's some relational tension. But I'm also going to trust that my God will deliver me. Come on, are you with me? We serve a big God. Joshua's looking at the, at the Israelites. He's looking at the promised land. He says, yeah, that's a, that, those are big giants. Those are great enemies. But here's the thing. My God said that it is our land. But the rest of the Israelites grumbled and complained. Miss Tyra is on a rampage right now. Actually, based on the book of Numbers. Because the Israelites complained too much. God said, here's your land. And then they complained about it. We'd rather die. Did you leave us out here to die? Did you leave us out? They just just kept on complaining and complaining and complaining. It wasn't that God wasn't going to give them the land. He he wanted to. He said, it's your land. But the Israelites complained. And then God said to Moses, you and this whole generation will not experience the promised land. And so that whole generation dies off. Moses dies off. But now who's going to lead the nation of Israel? Well, here comes Joshua. Joshua. Miss Tyra is applauding Joshua right now in the front row. <laughs> Here comes Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Look at this first encounter that Joshua has with the Lord as he's stepping into leadership. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Did Moses experience it? No. Why? Because they complained. I don't even have time to go down this pathway. Stop complaining. Wait patiently. I was reading in Hebrews 6 today, and it says, wait patiently on the Lord. What is patience? It's waiting without complaining. Oh, come on. That hit me this morning. I felt convicted. I want some some miracles, and I've been a little bit complaining about it. And I said, God, I am sorry. I will wait without complaining. Why? Because wait, we wait patiently on the Lord. And it says, I'll, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, the Hilltide country, um, the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Come on, talk about having some confidence. But you know where confidence started? At the tent of meeting. It didn't start right here when, when Joshua took the leadership. It started when Joshua was a young man and Moses was leading and he was watching. Every place you step foot, I'm going to give you. It says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law. What is the book of law? Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. Are you hearing this? Yes. Well, this is Joshua's charge right as he's stepping into leadership. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Yeah. Come on, that's good. Come on, did you know that is still the same promise to you? Yes. Come on. A lot of people want to be mad and say that God is, God is not interested in prosperity. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Yeah. Come on. If God did it for Joshua, oh, come on, somebody, you already know the answer. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for you. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What is the main takeaway? In this first encounter that Joshua has as a leader, what is the main element that God wants him to understand? Meditate on my word and trust in me. Meditate on my word and trust in me. Joshua had already been doing this, leading up to this. It wasn't now that he's in leadership. Hey, Joshua, now that you're a leader, I need you to meditate on me and trust, trust in me. It wasn't, it wasn't that he's, because he's a leader. It's Joshua, you've been doing this. Joshua, you've laid a foundation since you were a boy of trusting me. But now that you step into leadership, I need you to trust all the more that I'm going to do some big things, not just in you, but for the whole nation of Israel. But it's going to be rooted out of your trust in me. It's going to be rooted out of your meditation on my word. What's he doing? He's trying to help build up Joshua's faith before they get to the promised land. Why? Because God knows that there's giants in the land. God knows that Jericho is waiting for him. God knows that the enemies of the nation of Israel are waiting for him. And and what Joshua needs to know is to meditate on his word and to trust in God before he's face to face with the giant. Because when you're face to face with the giant, it's too late. Because when you walk into what you thought was God's promise to you and you see the walls of Jericho and you're, you're shook because there's these walls, your faith wasn't built up. Even though God told you it's your promise, you see the walls and you back down. What God's trying to do is eliminate the backing down. And so he's building Joshua up. Meditate on my word. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Listen, be strong and courageous. Because I'm giving you right now All that you need. All that you need. In fact, 2 Peter 
Chapter 1, verse 3 says this. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Are you catching that? He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What are we getting at? God has already given you everything you need. God has already given you everything you need. In fact, we can say it this way. God has given me all I need, but all I need is found in him. God has given me everything I need. Come on, I'm facing some issues in my life. I've got some issues in the workplace. I've got some issues in my marriage, and I don't know how to overcome it. Can I tell you, God has already given you everything you need. God has already given you everything you need to overcome the obstacles. God has already given you everything you need for the life to, to, to follow Jesus, to live a life of purity, to live a life of holiness, to be set free from addiction. Come on, God has already given you all that you need. Where is it? It's on the inside of me. All I need is mine, but it's found in him. It's found in him. It's not found. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to found, find what I need in my relationship. Come on, somebody hear this. Yeah, come on. I'm not looking to be completed by, by the relationship status that I'm in. Yeah. I'm not looking for my provision from my employer. Yeah. I'm not looking for my healing from any other source but the source. God has given me all that I need, yeah. and all that I need is in him. Yeah, come on. It's in him. And this is what God's trying to get across to Joshua. And so this is the foundation that Joshua steps into. And then we go, we, we change the page and we enter into Joshua chapter 2. And Joshua chapter 2 is getting the, the Israelites ready. They're about to go take the land that God's promised them. And so now Joshua sends out spies. Joshua sends out some spies and they're going into the land and they're spying out the land and they're supposed to come back with a report. And, and while they're spying out the lands, the guards uh, find out that they're there. They're trying to hunt them down. And so there's this prostitute named Rahab. Rahab has a really cool story. Her son's name is Boaz. Um, if you've gone through virtue, you've heard about Boaz and, and Ruth and, and the whole great story. If you haven't gone to virtue, go to virtue. Um, but but there's this, this is a prostitute, Rahab. And she pulls in the spies to hide them. And, 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 and so they're hiding in, a, in Rahab's house as Rahab leads the guards the wrong direction. And this is Joshua chapter 2. And I thought this was pretty crazy. Verse 8 says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, Look at this. I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Verse 10, We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, 40 years ago. Yeah, come on. 40 years ago. 40 years ago, their enemies' hearts melted with fear. Y'all, they've been living in fear for 40 years that any day the Israelites might come and take the land that God had given them. Yeah. Isn't this a crazy encounter? Come on. It's, the, while the Israelites and the spies came back and they're like, there's giants in the land. The giants were, were thinking, is today the day? 
because their God, their God split the sea. Come on, they walked across on dry ground. Come on, Rahab's been living with her bags packed for 40 years. They've been living out of suitcases. Come on, they're like, it could be any day. I got the bags ready. You see this? She's pointing to the spies. You see this? The bags are packed. I got my favorite things in that suitcase. We're just taking one suitcase. We've been living out of this suitcase for 40 years because we thought any day you might come in. Their hearts were terrified. Why? Because God was with the Israelites. And so they, the spies bring this back and they said, listen, surely this is the Lord. This is the land that the Lord has given us. A different account. They're, they're afraid. Come on, we already got them on their heels. Yeah. It's already 35 nothing going into to halftime. Shut the game off, okay? We ain't got time for the frustration. Right. We're, they're on their heels. Let's go, Joshua. And so Joshua goes. They come to the Jordan River. The Jordan River splits. And now Joshua, come on. On the heels and, and, and standing on the shoulders of Moses leads the Israelites now across the Jordan on dry ground. As he crosses over in, in Joshua chapter 5, he's got this encounter with, with an angel of the Lord. We're going to have to start going quick. I'm going to have to start paraphrasing. Oh my gosh, we got a lot to preach in a little time. I'll get you out of here on time. Ish. 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 This is Joshua chapter 5. Verse 13, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell down in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Look at this, it's cool. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. A similar account of this happened with Moses in the desert at the burning bush. Hey, take off your, your sandals, Moses. And at the burning bush where the ground was named holy, it was God telling him that he was going to deliver his people. In the account with Joshua, it was God saying, I'm about to fulfill my promise. Come on, that's the parallel there. You see that? Where did it start? At the tent of meeting. Where did it start? The tent of meeting. Joshua as a young boy. Every moment and every season, trusting that God is faithful. Yeah. Come on, do you hear me? Trusting that God is faithful. Joshua chapter 6. We're not going to go chapter by chapter, I promise. We're going to start skipping a couple, couple chapters. Joshua 6. They come into the promised land, and there's the city, Jericho. And uh, it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. Um, no one went, went out. No one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. Just to give you a picture of what Jericho is like, picture the old movies, you know, where it's got those huge cities and the big rocks, rock walls and brick walls that are super tall that surrounds the whole city. You know those movies? Kind of go back to the times of kings and queens. That was Jericho. It was called a fortified city. Big, strong walls. It was meant to keep the enemies out. And so here, here they are coming in, and, and it says, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with it. It's king. It's fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. What's he saying? Send out the worship team. We can send out our worship team. 
On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. And so they did it. Day one, the Israelites marched around the whole city of Jericho. Then they went home. Day two, they marched. My timer's going off on my phone. I'm not sure why I've got a timer set, but time's up, okay? Time's up, whatever it is. Is this, did, did someone set this to tell me this is when I need to be done preaching? Who did it? Okay, who did it? I'm closing, I promise. I promise. Day two, they marched around the city. Day three, they marched around the city. Day four, day five, day six. They're not, they don't have swords drawn. They're not, they're not pounding at the walls. They're just marching. This is the land that God's promised them. There's a fortified city there, and they're just marching around it. But day seven comes, and they march around the city seven times. And after the seventh time, there's a long trumpet blast. And then the whole nation of Israel just begins to lift up their praise because God gave them the land. And as they lifted up their praise, the ground began to shake. Come on, you can see the mortar start to break off in between the walls. Those pieces of rock start crumbling. And then the whole walls just come collapsing down. And the Israelites went in and took the city. But how? Through their praise. Through their praise. Isn't it interesting that it was their complaints that kept them from the promise? But then it was their praise that gave it to them. It was their praise that gave it to them. Come on. I don't know what your obstacle is, but what I do know is just because there's obstacles on the path of your promise does not mean it's not God's promise for you. Just because there's some obstacles along your path doesn't mean that it's not God's promise for you. Listen, there's going to be some obstacles. We're not going to complain about the obstacles. I'm just going to keep on praising. I don't have the answer, but I'm going to keep on praising. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to keep on praising. This battle seems pretty tough, but my God is bigger, and so I'm going to keep on praising. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on marching. Why? Because my God said he will deliver me into the lands. Oh, come on, church. You got to get. Come on, let your faith grow. Come on, let faith rise this morning. What's the thing that you've given up on? What's the thing that seems impossible? Because God is interested in doing impossible things. All we got to do is praise. I think about Mark eleven twenty three 23, when Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if you say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea, but do not doubt and believe it will be done for you. What is, what is our option? What is, what is our responsibility? All we got to do is point to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Dane, is it your responsibility to move the mountain? No. Is it your responsibility to move the obstacle? No. Was it the Israelites' responsibility to break the wall down? No. What was their responsibility? Praise. Come on, I'm going to keep on praising in the midst of the storm. Oh, come on, I'm going to keep on praising when it seems hard. I'm going to keep on praising when it doesn't seem like there's a way out. Why? Because my God said, just point and praise. Just point and praise. And so that's all I'm going to do. Oh, come on, somebody. This tire is about to take a lap. I see it right now. She's on the edge of her seat. I'm about to take, you take a lap, I'm taking a lap with you. Come on, we're closing up. We're closing up. Joshua chapter 10. The Lord delivers them, gives them the land, and they start going from battle to battle to battle. How many of you know 
that when you start winning battles, because the Lord is splitting seas, and your praises are tearing down fortified cities, you start to get some allies. (laughs) So people want to join your team. And so at this point in Joshua 10, the Israelites have gained some allies, and their allies are under attack. And the allies call for the nation of Israel, Joshua, come help. Your God wins battles. And so they set out. They set out to defend their allies. And on the way, listen to this, the Lord sends a hailstorm yeah. on their enemies. Come on, that's a, that's a good God. That's, yeah, come on. that's the God I want to serve. Yeah. And it says more people fell to the hailstorm than by the sword. Now, the, house, the hailstorm was over, and there's still people. There's still a battle to be fought. And so the Israelites show up on scene already with the upper hand. And they're fighting. They're in the midst of the battle. And I love what Joshua prays in Joshua 10, verse 12. It says, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Come on, can you, can you imagine how confused the enemies are? Half of them just died by a hailstorm, and now all of a sudden the sun's not going down? <laughs> like, man, I feel like it's been 2 o'clock for 12 hours. Like, you know, like, what is going on? I love, I love Joshua's prayer. His prayer wasn't, Lord, send another hailstorm. The prayer wasn't, Lord, I just, the enemy, I just pray that the enemy just falls dead. It was, Lord, I'm in a battle. A battle that you said I'm going to win. All I need from you is to keep that sun standing. Come on, it's a prayer that doesn't make sense. It's, it's a prayer that a lot of us wouldn't think to pray. It's a bold prayer. Can I tell you, there's another way to get your victory? Yeah. Come on, write that down. There's another way to see the victory. Yeah. Some of you, you've been hard-pressed. God's given you the land. But your mind's been so narrow-minded on one way. You want God to show up like he did last time. You want God to deliver you like he did last time. You want God to bless you like he did last time. Can I tell you there's another way to see the victory? Come on, pray some bolder prayers. Pray some faith-filled prayers. God, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't, I don't know, but make that sun stand still. And the sun stands, stood still. And they triumphed over him. I'm closing, I'm closing. I know I've said that multiple times. I'm closing, I promise. And so here we are. Years later, the Israelites are now living in the promised land. Joshua's seen and experienced a lot in his lifetime. From a young boy that's in a meeting, to being a spy underneath Moses, getting getting the leadership, sending out his own spies, Jericho falling, the Jordan River splitting, the sun standing still. Joshua's experienced a lot. And it says in Joshua 23, verse 1, After a long time had had passed, the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. They're in a season of rest. 
in a season of, of peace. And I'll preach this whole message so I can preach this right here. Because I believe that this is where the Lord wants to speak to some of you. A lot of you. It was in the season of peace and rest that the Lord came back to Joshua and reminded him, hey, remember to always follow after me. Remember to keep following after me. I need you to tell the Israelites and the rest of the Israel army to keep on pursuing me. In a season of peace, in a season of rest, they've persevered. Now, now it's just resting. And this is the place where so many of us fall away. It's in between the battles. It's in the season of pausing. It's in the season of rest that we forget to rely on God. And I thought it was so interesting. Here's Joshua, a man who seems to have relied on God his whole life. And the Lord comes to him to remind him, keep relying on me. Keep trusting in me. So the Lord has driven out, and so Joshua tells this to the nation of Israel in, in Joshua 23, verse 9. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So very be careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and, and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Remember your source. Remember your source. Remember who's done it. Come on, remember who helped you get through that battle. Remember who helped you drive out those enemies, who helped you overcome that obstacle. Remember the one who made you settle in, in the land that he's promised you. Remember the source. Because if you don't, you'll, drive, you'll be driven out. All these other nations, they'll drive, they'll drive you out. They'll become snares and traps for you, whips on your back, thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord has given you. Joshua 24. He comes back. And he, come on, this is his decree. This is his, he's pleading. This is Josh, that's not the Lord saying that. That was Joshua saying that to the people of Israel. And he says, now fear the Lord. And serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And that's when he says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know what I didn't realize until studying on Joshua? Joshua wasn't 20 when he said that. These are the last words of Joshua. You turn the page, Joshua sends the Israelites home and then dies. The last words of Joshua wasn't, I will serve the Lord. Wasn't, I'm going to serve the Lord. Wasn't, one day I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. It was, hey, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But what's greater 
is that Joshua was 110 years old when he said it and had proved that it was more than talk. Joshua dies. These are some of the last words we have of him. And it was me and my house. This is the legacy that I'm going to live. Me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what you're going to do, but we will serve the Lord. The legacy I'm living is a family and a household that serves the Lord. Listen, my last thought through this is, is this, through perseverance and peace, always serve the Lord. Come on, through perseverance and peace, always serve the Lord. That's what got Joshua to the battle in the first place. That's what Joshua, that's, that's how Joshua got his leadership in the first place. Joshua saw all of his victories because of Joshua chapter 1 when the Lord said to him, meditate on this book. Yeah. And, and I wanted to preach this whole message so I could preach this last thought. And I promise we'll close soon, but God wants to minister to your heart today. What does serving the Lord actually look like to you? Is it just showing up on Sunday? Is it catching a message here every now and then? Is it popping in once a month? Is it just, is it just waking up? Is it reading one, one verse a day? What does serving the Lord look like to you? Is that what it looks like to God? Is that what it looks like to God? Listen, this isn't about condemning. God's not in the business of condemnation. But sometimes there's a little bit of conviction, in it, and that conviction's necessary to get us to live the right way. Why? Because heaven and hell and this earth, they're going to pass away, but the Lord's words will remain forever. This life, everything we do in this life will be tested by the fire. What's going to make it? The thing that you're consumed by right now, is it going to matter in eternity? Matthew 16, 25, it says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What's that mean? You're going to get caught up on the wrong path, trying to fulfill yourselves with all the wrong things. And what's going to happen is one day you're going to end up realizing that, that you may have gained wealth, you may have had success, but you're still missing something. You've, 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 you've tried to find your life. You've tried to find yourself what brings you fulfillment. You've tried to find relationship after relationship after relationship that's going to make you feel loved and worthy and esteemed. You've tried working many hours to make you feel successful in, in, in a season of peace so that you feel like you've got all that, that you, you can have. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be enough. Why? Because whoever tries to find their life, you're going to lose it. But Matthew 16, he says, but listen, if you just would lay down your life for me, I promise you, listen, it might not be easy. Jack, was it easy? Was the last year easy? Was it worth it? It might not be easy, but it will be worth it. What does serving the Lord look like? It means just more than just showing up. It means I'm living my life for something bigger than just me. Why are we saying this? Because in, in Matthew, can we go to that scripture in Matthew? Can you put it up on the screen? Matthew chapter 16. No, the, the other one, the other Matthew. Matthew 24, I believe is what it is. Matthew chapter 24. 
I can paraphrase it. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. What's that mean? It's the end times. It's in the end days. In the end days. What's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people who claim Christianity. There's going to be a lot of people that say they love Jesus, that they serve the Lord. But there's this increase of wickedness. And most of those who claim to follow the Lord will fall away. Most of them will fall away. It says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. What are we getting at? Joshua saw success because he stood firm. What does serving the Lord look like? It looks more than just showing up. It means living your life to build the kingdom of heaven because it is the only thing that matters. I can't tell you how much joy I experienced the other day when the person I was praying for told me that they're going to give Jesus a try. I went home. I was hyped. Why? Because this is what I'm living my life for. It brings more fulfillment than anything else in my life. Why? Because people are saying yes to Jesus. It brings me fulfillment when people come to me and they say, listen, you prayed for me and I'm healed. Why? Because I I've decided to lose my life in Jesus. And what happened was I've now found life. I've now found fulfillment. Come on, it's more than just living for the weekend. Come on, it's, living, it's more than just waiting for that next vacation. It's, it's more than, I might not go to church today. It's been a long week. It's not about legalism. It's about living your life for more. Is what you're doing going to stand the test of the fire or is it going to be washed away? Will we see what you're doing, what you've been consuming your life with? Will we see it in eternity? If not, let's make a change. Let's make a change. John chapter 6, verse 60. My last verse, I promise, I promise. Can you throw it up on the screen? It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. You don't have to raise your hands. But how many of you are saying the same thing? <laughs> It's a hard teaching. Sometimes trusting in God isn't easy. But it's only not easy when we don't know the character of God. Meditate on your word day and night. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Let the book of the, of the word, let the law, God's holy word, let it be written on your heart. Why? Because that's what's going to give you the victory. I don't have time to go any further. We're going to have to pray out right now. But would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Come on, someone in here needs this opportunity. Listen, I believe that God wants to perform miracles. We do serve. I wanted to build your faith this morning. I want to talk about the victories that can happen in Jesus. But the greatest thing that you can do is not just be a lackadaisical Christian, not just a lackadaisical follower of Jesus, but to truly give your heart to Jesus. That is where you see fulfillment beyond anything else. And if you're in the room, we're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come forward, but I do want you to make a commitment to Jesus. If you're in the room and you're like, I have not been living for the Lord, and I'm choosing to serve the Lord today, I'm making that decision. Just where you are, raise your hand. Come on, be brave. Thank you. I see that hand. Okay, there we go. Across the room. Thank you. I see you. Come on, I'm making that decision. This is the greatest thing you can do. Does God want to bless you? Absolutely. 
Does God want you to be successful and prosperous? Absolutely. But he's saying the same thing to you as he said to Joshua. If you would obey the word of the Lord, then you will see the success. What happens first? A relationship with Jesus. Come on, anybody else like that before we pray out? Got several hands in the room this morning. I see your hand. Thank you. Come on, don't miss this moment. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Come on, God is faithful. Oh, hallelujah. God is faithful. Romans says, all it takes. Here's some instructions. I'll give you instructions on this. It's very simple. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you're saved. So I'm just going to lead you in a prayer, but everybody repeat after me. Say, Lord, I'm asking today. Oh, come on, say it like you mean. I'm asking you today to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died and rose again. Forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name. And come on now, if you prayed that prayer, let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you right now for the decision that they made. God, it, it may not be easy at all times. In fact, we know that the enemy comes for the word's sake. And so, Father, right now, I pray protection over every person that made that decision. Father, I pray that you would guard them. God, that you would pull them in closer. Father, as they're making a decision to follow after you. God, we know according to James chapter 4, as we draw near to you, oh God, you draw near to us. And so, Father, I pray that you would draw them near to you in Jesus' name. Father, bless them where they're going. Bless them coming. Bless their families. Father, we pray protection over them right now in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with him?